Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Folks, I'm really excited about our next guest, Dr. Kevin Sabetta. I've followed his uh, career being in law enforcement myself for 40 years about drug policy in this country. And uh, he has uh, implemented drug policy for more than 25 years. He's been featured on the front page of the New York Times and in virtually every major media publication and news channel. Uh, Dr. Sabet is an author, three different books. The first, Reefer Sanity, Seven Great Myths About Marijuana. There was a, a second edition to that in 2018. And his most recent book, Smokescreen, What the Marijuana Industry Doesn't Want You to Know. He has a very interesting perspective on drug policy. And he advised the Bill Clinton administration, the Barack Obama administration, and George W. Bush administration as well. Dr. Sabet, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sheriff. It's wonderful to be on. Uh, Doug, I know we've got a lot to unpack here in a very short period of time, so I'm just going to let you talk uh, about what we're seeing today. I have probably seen every YouTube video you've ever done. I've followed everything that you've said. And there was one thing that I want to open up with. There was a great uh, comment that you made about marijuana and the pot shops, and and you said uh, in in, I forgot the presentation. It may have been at Princeton or something. You said, take me to the good neighborhoods where the pot shops are. About the marketing of what's going on. Yeah, well, I appreciate you. Again, thanks for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor. Um, you know, you have great people in New Orleans doing amazing work that I, I just try and learn from and works beside. I, I've worked with uh, the great people at the Greater New Orleans Drug Demand Reduction Coalition for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie Haynes and Suzanne Rosovich and, and so many of them. And I'm lucky to be coming uh, into town uh, later next week to speak at YPO, the Young President's Organization, and also see some, uh, you know, some, some of my colleagues. So um, you're, you're, you guys have a great place there. And, uh, you know, the issue is p- people don't realize how much uh, the drug culture does hurt our communities. I've never met any parent. I've never met any law enforcement official. I've never met any clergyman. I've never met anyone who said that they would be better off if more people use drugs, right? You know, no mom says, if only my, my you know, husband and, and kids used more drugs, we'd be, be a better off family. No community's ever said that before. So it, it's really, it's really just common sense. Uh, you know, when, when today, we're talking about, at least with marijuana, today's marijuana. It's been genetically bred to be a completely different drug than it used to be. This is not Woodstock weed. And so, you know, a lot of uh, the the baby boomers and Gen X also, uh, when they think about marijuana, they're really thinking about a drug that doesn't resemble what's out there today at all. It doesn't resemble what kids are actually using and seeing today at all. And that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from. Um, and so I, people don't realize that the potency, the strength, 
And what that does to you and your body really does affect you in ways that it really, in brand new ways that we've never seen before. What is the hesitancy to the realization? You made a comment that, unfortunately, we have to live the harm before we wake up to the danger. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we have to learn the hard way in our in our country. You know, it's it's the flip side to our incredible and, and amazing freedom and liberty that we have in this country. And it's I mean, I owe my life to it. My, my parents immigrated here in the 19, mid-1960s, and um, my dad was the first one to come to America. And, you know, he did so because uh, he knew he'd have a better life for his family, better than anywhere in the world, that he'd have more chances and more freedom than anywhere in the world. And, and he was right, and I benefit from that. The flip side of that is sometimes we don't realize the responsibility that comes with freedom. And so we have to learn the hard way when things go south. And, you know, we have to we have to sometimes burn one of our fingers off to realize that the stove is hot. Maybe we shouldn't touch the burner on the stove. Um, The prime example of that, I would say, is cigarettes. I mean, if you look at tobacco, um, you know, tobacco was used for thousands and thousands of years uh, in multiple cultures, way more prevalent than any substance, including opium, including hashish, marijuana, including arguably alcohol. And, uh, you know, it never really, it, 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 of course, nothing's ever good, that was never good for you, but um, it didn't, it never killed at the scale that it has over the last hundred years. And the reason that changed is because uh, technology uh, allowed us to create mass-produced cigarettes, which we'd never had cigarettes before. It was always just, you know, pipe tobacco. Uh, and then we coupled that with the mass marketing machine that is only, you know, that is very uniquely American. And when you put those two things together over the last hundred years, we've created a weapon of mass destruction that is far greater than any other actual weapon of mass destruction that man has created. And, you know, to this day, cigarettes or tobacco kills over 400,000 people a year in America. And we have one of the lowest levels of smoking in recent history, and yet it still kills that many people. And it's because uh, we the, the technology created cigarettes, and, and, and we had these companies that it was all about the dollar. And, and as, as a country, we didn't want to hear anybody saying anything about it. You know, when Joe Califano raised alarm in the 1960s, people didn't want to hear it. When the Surgeon General raised alarm, people didn't want to hear it. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, really everybody knew someone who died of lung cancer. And we all remember the commercials of the people who had to speak through their throats through a microphone and a, and a tape recorder. It wasn't through until that. And then the lawyers got involved and they, you know, started peeling back the onion and they found out that the tobacco industry knew that tobacco and smoking was bad for your health and caused cancer as early as the 1930s and yet covered it up and, and marketed to kids and covered that up. And it wasn't until the whole thing blew up, you know, 20 some years ago that people actually woke up. And now the average kid is, you know, smoking is just not, not something that is as common as nearly as common as it used to be 30 years ago. That's an example of, we, we didn't listen for, you know, took us 70 years from the thirties to the early two thousands to listen to anybody on this. And with marijuana, we're just repeating the exact same history. People have an outdated notion of what marijuana is. There's an industry that is 10 steps ahead of anybody that is developing technologies and products that are appealing to kids, that are appealing to adults who would never normally use marijuana. But, hey, it's in a gummy now. So, okay, I don't have to smoke it. 
stink up the house, I can use a gummy. Oh, I can use a, you know, another kind of edible, an ice cream, a soda, uh, one of these vapes, you know, these vape cartridges now with the technology of electronic cigarettes, vape cartridges, which are extremely popular among kids and adults alike. And so, you know, this is now happening. And so what's, what's ironic is I now hear from people in states that have legalized, uh, parents and elected officials even, who said, you know, man, I, I wish we knew about how bad it was going to be before it actually happened. Because, you know, now I'm living with a kid, for example, in the throes of a marijuana-induced psychosis. You know, now I'm living with a, with a, with a, with a kid that is, you know, d- d- developmentally, cognitively disabled. Now I'm not living with my kid because they died by suicide and they wrote in their suicide note, literally, that marijuana made them do it. You know, these kinds of horror stories that we're hearing across the country and the data is backing up. It's not just anecdotes. It's actually backed up by peer-reviewed science. Um, We're now hearing this, and unfortunately, we have to hear it too late, even though we have been warning people about this for so long. And so it's amazing the stories and the support that we have now. Ironically, as the states have legalized marijuana more and more, as marijuana is more normalized and commercialized, it's funny, we're at, as an organization, SAM, this is learnaboutsam.org, SAM, we're, I mean, getting more inquiries, frankly, more donations, more support than we were 10 years ago when we were, or when, then certainly I was when I was just at a lone crusader on this 20 years ago, didn't have an organization really. Um, much more traction now, ironically, as things have, got, have spread further. Doug, there are two issues, and I hear this all the time, and it drives me crazy. Uh, marijuana is a cottage industry, right? It's mom-and-pop shops that are going to be out there. And the second thing that I hear that is, is a myth, in my view, is that the taxation of marijuana is going to lead to so many positive things. And in one of your talks, you talk about you know, how much we've taxed tobacco, alcohol uh, as well. But yet in this country, there's no on-demand treatment available. And you right. wonder, you know, taxation, and I guess you have to ask the question, for what purpose, right? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, we can have taxation for anything. But when we, um, when we actually look at the costs, then, you know, the taxation makes no sense. I mean, it's kind of like saying, um, you know, we're going to allow people to drive you know, 120 miles per hour if they pay a $10,000 tax or something, you know, let's say $10,000 a month if you really want to drive 120 miles per hour whenever you want. Well, if that 120 miles per hour, you know, zone is causing millions of dollars in car crashes, which, I mean, the average car accident in this country costs between one and $2 million in lost social costs. um, If it's, semi-serious, I mean, a little bit more than a fender bender, and we tax somebody $10,000 a month. Well, that tax is not paying for the problem. So who cares about the tax? That tax revenue is not helpful because it's actually causing, it's a moral hazard. It's causing more problems. And again, it's amazing. A lot of elected officials don't want to hear it, but it's not because they're not smart. I think a lot of elected officials either are just completely ignorant and they just have too many other things they're dealing with. They frankly don't really want to pay a lot of attention to this. It's a kind of, I mean, frankly, most elected officials, they just, they don't want to pay a lot of attention to this issue because they have other issues that they find more important. And frankly, the average American finds more important too, or it's because they, they're getting on the bandwagon and they think they can, uh, you know, get 
young votes, and they've been kind of tricked into thinking that young people will go out and vote for them in droves if they embrace this issue. And that's really actually been disproven, you know, from a political perspective time and time again. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that that's a, just a huge, huge mistake, this issue of tax revenue. Alcohol and tobacco, for every dollar we gain, by the way, costs us between 10 and $25 in social costs. So, I mean, you, we can, I'm not saying we should prohibit alcohol and tobacco. Culturally, they're here to stay. And so some people might be saying, well, Kevin, with your logic, shouldn't we just prohibit everything, alcohol, tobacco, all of it? Well, alcohol and tobacco have been ingrained in our Western civilization for thousands of years. It's very hard to just kind of, um, you, know, put, uh, you know, close the lid on those. We're paying the price, by the way. Definitely not an example, if we can help it, to, to, to base anything new off of. Um, but we're not going to be prohibiting it. But we need to understand we pay a big cost. We, we lose a lot of money, billions and billions of dollars, not to mention all the heartache. Everybody knows somebody who's been affected by alcohol or tobacco or both. So that's just kind of a deal with the devil that we've made. And what, I, what we're trying to say is do we want to make more deals with the devil? Like do we want to replicate something that's been such an unmitigated, frankly, from a public health perspective, an unmitigated disaster No, why would we? If we can control it, if we can help it, I'd rather have 5%, 8% of Americans use marijuana occasionally or even once a month than 40% of Americans using it legally once a month or occasionally. And that's a trade-off. I'm not saying we're going to get rid of it all. I'm not saying, you know, we're going to snap our fingers, we have the answers, marijuana. Marijuana was here before it was legal. It's here after it's legal. It's going to be here to stay for a while. But we can reduce and mitigate as much as possible without, you know, the instead of doing the opposite, which would be just, to, you know, what we're doing, actually, which is to commercialize it, glamorize it, normalize it to the point that a lot of people are getting hurt. And there is, uh, you call it the false dichotomy, right, uh, dealing with the medicalization, legalization, normalization of marijuana. Absolutely. It is the normalization and, and commercialization of marijuana. That's exactly what it is. And uh, it's not really when people see legalization, they think of an adult smoking a joint in the privacy of their own home or, you know, something like that where, hey, uh, we, I don't want people bothering me. I don't want to feel like a criminal. Uh, that is very different than what the reality is. The reality is it is mass commercialization and normalization. And, and like I said, glamorization, it's promotion, it's politicians and companies promoting it, not saying they'll tolerate it. It's way beyond toleration. Uh, and uh, that, and we've never really, I mean, we, you know, sort of, I, in our country, we do commercialization very well. I mean, you can say what you want about manufacturing and how, you know, going to another country is, you know, it might be cheaper to make a window or make a toy. But when it comes to marketing that window or marketing that toy, we do it better than anyone else, whether it's social media, traditional media, et cetera. And so that's what we're doing with marijuana today. And then, again, we're paying a price. 20 million-plus Americans are addicted to marijuana as we speak, according to the Health and Human Services survey that just came out. And that's probably an undercount, by the way. That's only who we know. Um, you know, that includes millions of young people. That includes so many, as you said, people who can't get treatment and we're the richest country in the world. That makes absolutely no sense. And so this is, this is really the problem. We need to make it easier to get treatment easier to get prevention than it is to get drugs. And right now we have it completely backwards. Let's talk about uh, 
what you just mentioned, it's it's Schedule 1. Why? Well, that's really uh, a very good question, and there's a lot of misnomers about it. So let's, let's back up here. So scheduling was a system that Congress created in 1970 when they drafted the Controlled Substances Act. By the way, the Controlled Substances Act gets a lot of bad raps. If you actually look at the history, and I'm writing a book on this right now, uh, it was uh, very much bipartisan legislation, the Controlled Substances Act. In fact, it repealed its very strict mandatory minimum laws that were around in the 50s in the Boggs Act. So people who want to demonize the CSA and Nixonian politics of 1970 need to understand it was actually a fairly moderate piece of legislation, number one. That's just a little historical kind of footnote. But what happened was they created these schedules, and they basically they were schedules that were not about the harmful, not about the penalties. It wasn't like if you're a Schedule One, it's a worse penalty than if you're a Schedule Two. Actually, it wasn't like that at all. It was just these categories. And um, what happened was they created this category that said, if you're a drug that has no accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse, you're going to be called a Schedule One drug. If you're a drug that might have some accepted medical use, but still high potential for abuse, because there's plenty of drugs like that, that's a Schedule II drug. And then it went on and on from there So to Schedule five. And Schedule II drugs, for example, cocaine is a Schedule II drug. Why? Because in very limited, frankly, very rare procedures in the, in the hospital, a little bit of the cocaine, the bicarbonate soda that then becomes cocaine, that can be used for uh, surgery, for numbness, et cetera. And so that, by definition, has to be a Schedule II drug because there's even some accepted medical use, and it's an approved drug to be used in those settings. Very high potential for abuse, very dangerous, but still if that makes it a Schedule II. Okay. So Schedule One. People think Schedule One means like the most horrible, you know, demonic, horrendous drugs. And so you have heroin, you have LSD, you have PCP, which we know is extremely dangerous. And you have marijuana. And some people say, well, how could you have marijuana next to heroin and, P- you know, PCP? Because, you know, again, people's outdated versions of marijuana. Let's just grant that for a minute, even though today's marijuana actually, we know, actually makes you violent. In fact, side note, if you want to look at one of the common denominators, not the only one, one of the common denominators of every single mass, most mass shooters, not every single, most mass shooters in the last 15 years, Marijuana is a common denominator. It didn't, it didn't chill them out, let's put it that way. Um, but anyway, that aside, marijuana side by, and they say, well, how could it be side by side? And Elizabeth Warren says, how could it be side by side? And I, I've actually explained this to her in private. I thought she understood, but, you know, public people, the politicians say different things. Um, they said, uh, marijuana, basically the reason it's in Schedule 1 is because it doesn't have accepted medical use. Now, there are versions of marijuana, components of marijuana, that have accepted medical use, absolutely. And so that's great. And um, those can be scheduled two, three, four, whatever. And, um, and, and, and so um, they are, by the way. There's a, we have a marijuana derivative in Schedule 5. That's a uh, CBD oil. We have a marijuana, it's a very specific kind of CBD oil, not the kind you buy at you know, CVS, but it's a very specific kind. Uh, we have a pill called Marinol. That's now a Schedule Three drug. So okay, that's there. Um, so we have marijuana-based medications that are not Schedule One, but marijuana itself 
it needed to be in Schedule 1 because it doesn't have accepted medical use. And this has been like a point of contention for marijuana enthusiasts for 40 years. I mean, they are so offended at the fact that marijuana is a Schedule 1, and they really, if they can't legalize marijuana overnight federally, which is very hard to do, they at least want to be able to reschedule it so that they can kind of get those headlines that say, marijuana is not very dangerous or it's been downgraded, whatever. So fast forward to today. Oh, by the way, there have been multiple reviews over the last 20 years. In the Obama administration, in the waning days, they could have easily rescheduled it. People wouldn't have paid much attention. Uh, they didn't do that. In fact, they wrote a very strong report, the FDA, saying, sorry, marijuana doesn't pass any of the five tests it needs to pass to, be a, to not be a Schedule One. It doesn't even pass one of those tests. So sorry, it's a Schedule One. Fast forward to today, the issue becoming so political. Basically, I'm, you know, Biden has said he's against the legalization of marijuana. He's been very firm on that. In fact, he created the drug czar's office. He's very anti-drug. But I think a lot of his advisors and maybe his vice president, who's pretty pro-marijuana, said, you know, uh, we got to do something on this. Uh, we got to look somewhat progressive. We can't just let it go alone. We're, you know, it's a Democratic administration. We got to do something. It's a popular issue among young people. A lot of Democrats, most of them are in favor of this. What can we do? So my my belief is that they kind of struck a compromise and said, all right, we're not going to legalize it, but let's reschedule it. That'll give them a moral victory, but we're not going to legalize it because we don't want to do that. And so they ordered the Health and Human Services Department to do a review. Okay, we're going through the process, do a review again, just like the one we did in the Obama administration. Let's do it again. And if anyone's been following the science, they can tell you that, you know, the science has gotten worse on marijuana. It hasn't gotten, it hasn't shown that marijuana is less harmful. It's shown the opposite. But anyhow, okay, let's go do another review and see what we find. Well, lo and behold, the FDA hired, frankly, and I know this, a bunch of new people, and they did the review that HHS told them to do, and all of a sudden, at 4.20 p.m., about six months ago or so, which is 4.20 is the stoner time of day, you know, the marijuana marijuana time of day is 4.20. At 4.20 p.m., uh, which I found quite distasteful and unprofessional, they released on Twitter that they are recommending to the DEA, because it has to go through that process, that marijuana becomes a Schedule three drug, meaning it has accepted medical use and a lower potential of abuse than Schedule one or two. And, you know, I was just dumbfounded when I saw that. I, I, I knew it had to have been a political decision because you can't have a review that happened in 2016 that was so scathing where the federal government was so clear and then all of a sudden do such a 180 that to make it a Schedule three drug. Now, that doesn't legalize the drug, but it would allow companies to deduct business expenses, which will allow them to advertise a lot more. And it would also, frankly, just send the message further down the road that this is, that this is a you know, safe drug. And um, now it's in the DEA's corner. And so the DEA will be ruling on it. Could be any day now. We've been very clear that, you know, you can create a new scheduling system if you want, but please don't pretend that marijuana, one, all of a sudden, has accepted medical use just because a couple of, you know, 40 states have deemed it medicine. That is a terrible precedent. That tells me if I'm a pharma company, why would I go through a multi-billion dollar FDA process to get my medicine approved? I should just run a couple of ads in a bunch of big states, convince people that my pill is a magic pill and medicine, even though science says it isn't. And all of a sudden, that's the new standard 
for accepted medical use. So that's that's where we're. I don't know if that made sense, if that was too complicated, but that's where we are. With no, it, it did, and, and there's a whole lot to unpack. I know you got to go because you've got some more interviews that you're you're conducting. We really appreciate your time uh, spent with us today. I'm going to try and have you back on the show if you don't mind, because I think there's still a lot a lot of issues to unpack on this, a lot of urban myths around this. Yes. Um, yes. And that big tobacco, big alcohol, big pharma, this is not a cottage industry. All of those folks are playing a part in this legalization and normalization movement that folks need to really be aware of. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it and look forward to uh, uh, your visit here on February 23rd to the Young President's Organization. Sarah Norman, thanks so much. I'm happy to be on anytime. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, I always love the reaction when we talk about marijuana. And if we were so emotional about other things that truly mattered in society today, uh, in the quality of life issues, and maybe just getting out to vote and exercising that privilege, uh, things would be different in this country. Uh, Newell, how many, on the text line, how many hundreds of people did you go through until you dug this guy up to tell you what you want to hear? I didn't have to go far. He was a consultant to the presidential administrations of Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and George Bush. They obviously thought enough of Dr. Kevin Sabet to have him advise them on drug policy in this country. You're an absolute dinosaur, another texter says. Ooh, pot is so scary and dangerous. Odd use of your time and platform to talk about pot. Ha ha ha. You're such a boomer. There are a lot of misnomers about marijuana. When Dr. Sabet, and just just go and, and Google him, and you're going to see a lot of videos, a lot of presentations. I follow, I've followed him for years. He spells his last name S-A-B-E-T. He's written uh, a number of books on this subject matter of drug policies. He's not one that's in favor of criminalization of marijuana. In fact, to the contrary. He talks a lot about balance in the approach of the uh, marijuana policy in this country. 
we hear all the time about, well, tobacco's addictive, alcohol's addictive, all of these other things are addictive. Why don't we eliminate that? You just heard his conversation about that issue, right? But we also heard about taxation. Talk about if we tax marijuana, how great it's going to be. It hasn't worked out well in any place that has been legalized thus far. He makes the observation, and appropriately, that if it's so great, if it's going to be so wonderful for society, why is there not on-demand treatment available for alcoholism, for being addicted to tobacco? And certainly, it's not going to be available if you become addicted to marijuana. And yes, it is addictive. The most recent research that's out there, and part of the problem with marijuana is there are about 300 different components in, in cannabis that have not gone through a lot of research at all. One, because of the scheduling, and two, for a number of other reasons that are being driven by big tobacco, big alcohol, and big pharma. There's a lot of money out there in the sale of this. Who's going to suffer more? Lower socioeconomic groups. When you go look at his presentation and go, and that's why I started with one of the the lines that he has is that, you know, this doesn't work well for economic development in any particular geographic region. People don't move to a legalization state and say, take me to the good neighborhoods where the pot shops are located. In fact, there's a strong nimbyism about pot shops, right? And in fact, if you go to California and Colorado, a lot of people don't realize this. They think it's legal in every county in those particular states. They're not. In fact, the majority of counties in both of those states do not want pot shops in their county. They vote against legalization of the sale of marijuana in their county. So it runs contrary, and a lot of people don't really understand it. Woodstock weed had about 2 to 3% THC. The 1980s weed had about 8 to 9%. The early 2000 weed was in the teens. The stuff that's available today gets as high as 95 to 99% in some cases genetically bred THC levels. It's entirely different. It's not the same. And they have given all kinds of examples of what it's like to have weed uh, from your uh, Woodstock weed as opposed to what's available now. This is not going to be a cottage industry. It's not going to be mom and pops. It's not in those states that that have legalized marijuana. In fact, to the contrary, they're complaining that big tobacco, big alcohol, big pharma are taking over. What do you think? They're driven by profit motives. You can buy anything now infused with THC. In fact, one of the most popular selling products is something called pop pot tarts. Remember pop tarts as a kid? Not any longer. It's advertised as pot tarts. The same strategies of tobacco. Joe Camel, the Marlboro Man, and all of that being directed towards kid. Remember the candy cigarettes? 
You had the actual tobacco advertising on the front of the boxes when you walked into the local time saver in my day. That was intentional. That wasn't by accident. And the same thing is going on today. In fact, most of the research reveals, and Dr. Sabet talks about this a lot in, in what he's in his presentation, is that if you try marijuana for the first time post 21 years of age, statistically, you are so less likely to become addictive to any drug, much less marijuana, as opposed to trying it early onset in your early teens. What do we find in states where this has been legalized? Early onset use of marijuana in those particular states. And again, what we find is that has it improved anybody's community? Is anything better as a result of this? And I know everybody jumps right to, well, what about alcohol? What about what about uh, what about uh, tobacco? What about all of these other things? The whataboutism doesn't work. Do we want to add more things that, that just happen to destroy the social fiber of our community? And in this particular te- uh, uh, situation, little or no research. The most recent research that's coming out, none of it, not a single study anywhere in the world has come out and said that this is good for you. Not one. So the question is, why go there? There's an interesting piece that he has with a woman by the name of Ann Hassel. She was a bud tender in Boston. She was one of the early onset employees working in a uh, legalized marijuana store. And she actually advocated for the legalization of marijuana from the time she was 16 years of age. She started smoking marijuana when she was 16 years of age. And she tells the story of her experience of the production side of legalized marijuana and the lack of testing, the lack of QAQC, quality assurance, quality control. She talks about the mold that was on marijuana, that they were just instructed to cut it off the buds. She talks about butane butane hash oil. She talks about lab shopping, where actually the labs uh, were selling themselves out and passing uh, on the viability of what the product being sold at retail levels just for the sake of a dollar. She always thought that because the states were... uh, regulating this and monitoring it, that it was all on the up and up. And she realized very quickly that it was not. She's now become an advocate against the legalization of marijuana. Most recently, she's been quoted as saying more than half of the people that she worked with in that retail outlet are now individuals against the legalization of marijuana. Because they've seen the dark side of the industry. And they understand exactly where this thing is going. It's a replay of tobacco. And if you recall, for so many years we were told there are no 
carcinogenic ingredients in a cigarette. Do we know to the contrary today? We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go to talk lines. Jay, you're up. Welcome to the show. Hey, Neil. Thanks for checking my call. A couple of points real quick that I think might not that need to have asterisks by. One of the main ones I wanted to make sure that people were aware of, um, that most of the mass shooters in the last 15, 20 years were also on very powerful uh, anti-anxiety, anti-personality disorder, MAOI inhibitors, which to me is a bigger concern than the fact that they were on marijuana. Now, if they were on marijuana and these things at the same time, yeah, that's an issue. And I think that also uh, would be reflected in him saying that marijuana can make you violent. I would guarantee you that 90% of the time the people are on marijuana and acting violent, they also have alcohol or cocaine or some other drug in their system. So you can't look at that in a vacuum. Do I think marijuana should be readily available to Everyone everywhere, no. But I do think it comes down to a libertarian point of view, that somebody's body and their brain and their brain chemistry and all that, that's their choice, as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Now, that does come into play with this. Like, you shouldn't be driving on any – if you feel different, you drive different. I agree with that statement, okay? So, But if you're in your own home and you're using any substance that's not going to immediately kill you, or, um, you know, cause you to go out and wreak havoc on the rest of society, then I think that's your choice. And if you pay the consequences, I know it's not in a vacuum, but there's got to be a balance between personal liberty and responsibility and what society does on other people. 
Jay, you forget to talk about the second part of the libertarian approach as well, that society is not going to pay for the cost of the choices that you make. So don't ask me to provide the sustenance for you because you're addicted to a drug, whether that be marijuana, opioids or otherwise. So we ne- we never talk about the second half. So when they go show up at the ER, you cut with me no, off. With with no insurance or otherwise, uh, there's no coverage there as well. So I don't I don't know what. <laughs> I guess he just went crazy <laughs> on, on that particular issue. As I said, if we could be as emotional about all things as we are about this. We'd be much better served. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. So as we uh, will continue this conversation about marijuana, uh, he said that I cut him off and twisted his words. I was just pointing out, um, you know, there's a second half to that viewpoint as it relates to libertarians and and, and how they view the role of government in in all of these uh, issues. As I pointed out before, there's not been a single study that has come out Uh, Most recently, since they've uh, opened up and allowed more proactive testing of marijuana and the over 300 uh, components of a cannabis plant, uh, many of of which have never been looked upon uh, or researched. Some may actually, some of the components may actually have great medicinal purposes. We just simply don't know. And we've actually circumvented this whole FDA process for the sake of the legalization of marijuana and the medicalization of marijuana, which is interesting as to why we would go about doing that. So no one is saying, and Dr. Sabet doesn't say, that there may be a situation that we find ingredients in the cannabis plant that could be, you know, altering uh, uh, medical research and otherwise and, and provide Uh, assistance to folks with any number of ailments we just don't know but one thing that we do know is that this new genetically bred marijuana is bad this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.